This is The Structuring Podcast. Good day and welcome back. This is Terry War, and today we're continuing our discussion about some of the things to include in a trust deed for a discretionary trust. All right, so go back and have a re-listen to last week's episode. We're just going to continue on with some of the things I've noted down here. All right, so it's good to have a clause about accessing trust documents. Any beneficiary of the trust, including a potential beneficiary, generally has a right to look at trust documents, and that includes tax returns and financials for the trust. And the reason they have a right to look at it is the trust is acting for their interests and the interests of the beneficiaries as a whole. So they've got a right to make sure the trustee is exercising that interest in an appropriate manner and they can see the books if it goes to court. The court's likely to give an order that they can access those books. So it's good to just give that power in the trustee so everyone is aware. However, they can only look at the trust books if they know about the trust. So perhaps don't go around at family barbecues telling people they're a beneficiary of your trust. You want to have various powers for the trustee to keep accounts separate. So they might um, keep separate accounts for different types of income, such as dividends, interest, rent. And then later on, they might be able to distribute different types of income to different types of beneficiaries that can have some sort of tax effect in some cases. Should there be an accountant? Well, a requirement for an accountant is good for the beneficiaries because they can make sure a third party is doing the financial statements and tax returns for the trust. Should it be built into the trust? Well, that depends if um, there is a requirement and then the trustee doesn't use an accountant but does the tax returns themselves, they would be breaching the terms of the trustee so they could come unstuck there. You might want to have a clause about auditing. Sometimes the beneficiaries might want to force the trust into getting an audit done just to make sure the trustee is acting in their best interests as a whole. Because they never know, the trustee could be siphoning money off or they could be uh, stealing money. And that brings us to another power, and that is the trustee acting despite their personal interest. If it's a discretionary trust and home is a trustee and he, he keeps giving all the income to his own children and there's potentially 40 other children as beneficiaries, that's potentially a, a breach of his fiduciary duties. So you want a specific clause that allows that to happen. And you might want to consider it for related companies as well. And that's because Homer might distribute the money to a bucket company. He might control and own that bucket company. The trustee should generally have an indemnity out of the assets of the trust. Even if that's not included, generally under the the law, they will be uh, entitled to be indemnified for any costs incurred by them acting as trustee. And that includes um, being sued. So if Homer is the trustee of the Simpson Family Trust and the trust is sued, it'll actually be Homer that is sued because the trust is not a legal entity. That means all, all of Homer's personal assets are at risk. So prior to that happening, you, you want Homer to have a right to be indemnified out of, out of the assets of the trust. 
So you want them to take the assets of the trust first before they take home as personal assets. You want a clause as well saying that no beneficiary is liable for any debts of the trust. There's no right of indemnity out of the beneficiary's assets. And that's important in unit trust because if that's not there, then the beneficiaries or the unit holders of a unit trust are liable for the trustee's debts. And that comes from a case, I think it's called Bloomfield. So you need a specific clause saying that beneficiaries do not indemnify anyone in relation to the trust. All right, the the trustee also needs specific powers to do certain things. Some of these things include allowing a beneficiary to use the property or to use a property held on trust. For example, a beneficiary renting a, a trust property. You want the power to be able to do that rent-free, potentially, but also market rent. The trustee should also have a, a power to lend money, to borrow money, to provide a mortgage over trust assets as security, to buy shares, to trade options, to run a business, to employ people, etc. Without any of these specific powers, they might not be able to do it. You would also want to consider, should the deed be able to be amended in the future? And if so, who's going to have the power? So you might want to have the ability of the trustee to amend the deed, but you might want them to get the permission of the appointer prior to doing that. And also you want to specify the the governing jurisdiction of the trust. So is the relevant law New South Wales law or is it Victorian law or even South Australian law? Just specify that in the trust and perhaps allow that to be changed as well in the future. All right, so that's uh, just a... Uh, brief summary, the second part of what to consider when drafting a trust deed. As always, get legal advice before you do that. And um, until next week, bye for now. You've been listening to The Structuring Podcast. Check out the show notes for today's episode at www.structuring.com.au forward slash podcast.